and welcome to Commagers. I'm Brian Costello. I'm Jim DeSanto. I'm Katie. And today we are joined by our returning guest, Megan. Hello, Megan. Thank you so Yay! much for joining us. Thank you guys for having me back again. Yeah, you're welcome. And, Get it. and we are thrilled to be talking about Warren Beatty and Alan Kukula's 1974 political thriller, The Parallax View, one of our favorite directors of the year, also the director of All the President's Men. So it's our second, yes, our second film. Uh, but first, we must ask the most pressing question of every episode. What is everybody drinking for the parallax view? Old fashioned. Yes. Very popular that, drink of mm-hmm. the 1970s. We had the recommendation of bourbon. Brian also recommended the old fashioned. No. And I think it's the perfect shade of Warren Beatty's suntanned California skin. Yes. Very California. Mm-hmm look in this film. Urban pairs well with Warren Beatty. <laughs> but he yes, he would have been like pasty white working in Seattle. That's true. It's true. Don't think but too hard about d- it. D- yeah, don't think. He is very drinkable. Very potable in this film. Yeah. Um, Megan, what was your drink of choice for the Parallax View? I am having a glass of 19 Crimes Cali Red. It's the Snoop Dogg. Yes. Whoa. Nice. Apparently that's that? the most popular bottle. Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg. Okay. Don't like that one. I have some Samuel Smith oatmeal stout. Ooh. Ooh, Delicious. Highly recommend. Sam Smith, like the singer? No. Not him? No, No. not at all. In no way connected to this. Maybe he was getting into the. Yeah. Both were in game. England. Are both? Yeah, both are from England. Oh. I guess so. Maybe oh, okay. some, maybe they're related. Some, yeah. Well, I don't know. This is a brewery that's been around since 1758. So maybe it's my, his great granddad. Might pre might be more than great granddad. Well, just doing the math. Maybe, maybe. Yes. Uh, okay, it is time for the rundown. Do we have music? No. Man, no. I even found the mar- the the mouth piano. It's in the other room, though. I forgot it. All right. Well, next time we're, we're make, perhaps for our 150th episode, which is I'm going to have the harmonica. I'm going to have the harmonica. I'm going to be ready. <clears throat> All right. This is a good one. Here we go. A senator is shot at the top of the space needle. One man is blamed for the assassination, which is ruled to be a solo act. Then the witnesses begin to die mysterious deaths. Warren Beatty goes from double denim wearing skeptic to conspiracy theorist when his ex-girlfriend tells him her suspicions and winds up dead. Now Beatty is intent on solving this mystery from the inside out or dying, trying, dying, trying. That sounds weird. Pretty trying, good. Dying, trying, dying, dying, dying while trying. So where did you get either. the ex-girlfriend piece? That was his. Go- oh, from uh, that was from Wikipedia. <laughs> Okay. Wikipedia filled in the information that that person was his ex-girlfriend. There was, was a strange conversation there. They definitely had a relationship. Yes. Yeah. The, the conversation was very like we used to have sex. Mm. Yes. Wikipedia so, took it to that there was a like a formal relationship. Yeah. yeah. Wikipedia, you know, doesn't is not into casual sexual relationships. No, so I mean, they did labels. talk about yeah. that. He was, made her 70s, feel safe, yeah. which you would think is more than a one night stand. That was a repeated occurrence. So we'll I go. thought it was just we'll that they had more in common, but that's okay. Oh, no, there she, was sex involved. No, she was upset no, no. when that other woman was there. Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, I, what I meant is why they were... That, no, I want to know. I wanna, this is the biggest well, how are you conspiracy of the movie. Yeah, that, let's that, get That they it. were like more... that they, they just were there that day, which led to a relationship between then and... Oh. Oh, interesting. So, question... Yeah, or yeah, yeah. prior did they have a relationship? Right, maybe that's why him. she didn't let him up. Yeah. Yes, Was that's what I. Oh, I don't know yeah. because uh, there is a huge gap of time. Am I right? Three years. Three years. Yeah. Three years. Anything so could have happened. Way, it was anything could have happened. And or it's an and. It could have been both. Yeah, both and situation. At one point, yeah. she was married, though, right? Not to him. I don't know if that. I thought he referenced her husband. Maybe. Anyway. Th- this is so inconsequential to the. Yeah. Well, I was going to uh, say this is the most important, the film. most intriguing part of the entire film. Um, all right, here we go. Grade of the week on a scale of A plus through Chris Monero's The Rookie, and shout out to Chris Monero for winning the league title again. I mean, good work. He's great a great coach. coach. Awful choice in films. Yeah, and actually, we had a commenter. Uh huh. 
comment on how it Loves was her favorite movie. baseball. Oh, this, I know. We're well, just breaking hearts. We're this, breaking hearts left and right. No, you know what we're doing? We're we're setting. We're helping people. I don't know we're, if it's helping. If I had to, if I had joy, every list that I could put the rookie on, it would be beyond number ten on that list. Like best, like best baseball movies. It it's probably in the fifties on that. But um. Best coaching movie again, probably in the fifties. Okay. Best Dennis Quaid movie, probably after I, I, number I, ten. I have he, to defend it for a moment by saying there are horrible movies that, against all logic, for some reason, feel good in the heart and soul. That is not for one some of them. people. I think it is. Yeah, I, we okay, have had this it. conversation about the I, Notebook, it, all right, about that's Pretty right. Woman. Right. I think so the rookie we, is like that for some folks. This is going to haunt us, Chris. Film. Thank you. How yep. will we rate this? We'll Megan, never stop let's talking start with about you. It. Uh, what grade would you give the parallax view? An A. A. Perfect. Oh. Katie. Yeah, this movie was a snooze fest for Katie. This is a, this is a C plus for me. Really? I did not like it. Yeah. Um, I'm going with a with a. Uh, well, I now I feel like I need to look at what I gave all the presents. Well, no, men, just just I will give this a B. B plus maybe. I think I think B plus. You, I think you were an A minus maybe yeah. for all the presidents. I, I think it's right below that for me. I really yes. like this. I liked mm. most of this. I yes. loved all the presidents men. Uh, I will go mm. uh, A minus with this one. Mm. This, I'm close with Jim. Maybe A minus to B plus. Mm. I I think it's because I've watched it enough times. It's a better film with multiple viewings. I feel like you pick some more stuff up. Mm -hmm. I think on my. First, view, first viewing, I think I probably would have been in line with Jim at like a B plus. And it's I've, I've, I feel like I've caught more about it yeah. as I've seen it more times, which has raised its score yeah. in my mind. I, I really did like it. I think it's interesting that this is like a precursor to All the President's Men, because I do think that that movie is a harder thing to pull off and is actually because it's a true story. Um, it also elevates the the whole genre. I think, you know, I think, I think he took this movie and all the president's men is a better, I think it's just a better all around experience overall, but this is still really good. I also, there's some weird stuff. We'll, we'll get into it. I also oh, yes. couldn't help but compare it to all the president's men while we were watching it yeah. and think about how the stakes in all the president's men in terms of like actual personal harm are low. Like, people are just getting shot, killed, yeah, yeah. drugged all over the place in this movie. I never felt the same tension that I felt in All the President's Men. All the President's Men creates such right. Well, because that's tension. living in the real world. So, like... I guess so. But the, it felt like this movie should also well, have think, that. And I, wa okay, I wasn't so there. Let's, so, let's talk about it. So, this is actually, for cool. he did three films in the 70s, which are his paranoid conspiracy thr uh, thriller films. This is the second of the three. The third being um, All the President's Men and the first being a truly fantastic film with Jane Fonda, which she won the Oscar for, which is Clue, which if you've never seen Clue is just absolutely amazing. All of them dealing with paranoia and anxiety in, in different ways. This of the three, he even said, was the most stylized of the films, which is, I think, some of the difference. It wasn't intended to be as real as All the President's Men. So I, I do see Katie's point. I think the real tension in All the President's Men, whereas it's not shooting, killing people, he thought of this one as more of a mythical, not quite right, in the real world setting as all the president's men was. Mm. So I think that's part of what he was going there for, which I think on first viewing is slightly more difficult to pick up because you just play it in your mind, maybe as a conventional thriller. And it's not some of the imagery and things that he's using. I certainly didn't get in my first viewing. It wasn't until multiple viewings i started to pick up some of those things um to kind of get where he was going with it so megan's a huge fan of this we both know this you know we were actually uh, we've talked about this before and we were the only people in the group who had any idea what we were talking about so what drew you to the parallax view what was the first time you saw it and what were your thoughts of it as time has gone on so 
I was taking a critical theory class as part of my major as an undergrad, and my professor showed the montage in class, and we had to analyze the montage and talk about it. So that was the hook, I would say. So then I wanted to see, you know, what the story was that that enveloped the montage. So I watched it when I was in college, and I've I've returned to it over the years a couple of different times. Um, probably been about five years or so since I've last seen it. Um, other than my rewatch this past weekend. So I just think it, it captured the zeitgeist of that time. And I had read a quote from Pacula. I think I'm saying his name right. But um, all the president's men was meant to represent. They're, they're both dealing with similar content matter, but all the president's men took a more hopeful tack while he said that Parallax View was meant to be like a nightmare. That was yeah. a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's dark. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm assuming the man is dead now. Am I right about that? The director? Yeah. Yes. So. Yes. Oh, is he dead? Okay. He is dead. He lived quite a while, though. I mean, he went on to do some. I mean, probably the most of oh, yeah. the recent later. He died in, his in the life. 90s. Yeah. So he but won't Pelican be making Brief, the fourth. You would have no- oh. no. Oh, yeah. I was wondering if he was going to make the QAnon film. No, the but I do babies. think that there's an an interesting element of that. Yeah. Uh, you know that I took because it had been not super long since I watched this. I probably watch this every few years, but I feel like this is even more timely and intriguing Mm -hmm. now to the point, actually, that Paramount Plus is going to bring Parallax View back as a a limited series and try to spin it off, which I'm I'm actually kind of interested in seeing how they do it. (laughs) Well, it is interesting because I I think, you know, we talk a lot about like... um, movies that you know were made decades ago and whether they hold up and i think this one does hold up because i think the idea and the intrigue of the mystery and how it sort of unfolds is interesting enough no matter when when you tell it um and the idea of like the the darkness of this movie and and the distrust of of the government and of of institutions and things going on around you has never gotten better since the seventies. Like it's just gotten worse and worse to the point where I don't know if the, I wouldn't say that you couldn't remake this, but I feel like in the seventies, these types of movies happened and resonated because it was like people were distrusting the government in a way that they had never done before. And Mm -hmm. I think since then we, we don't, not distrust the government, but we just don't care as much anymore. And we're not surprised anymore by it. But so I, I struggled with this film with, with trying to place that feeling of like the big bad. So you, you keep getting this shot of like last supper, you know, the decision-making entity, whoever's like deciding, um, you know, whether this was a lone act or whether there's a a larger Mm -hmm. uh, plot. Right. Um, and and they keep saying it's just this lone assassin. And so obviously, like, that's a piece of this larger puzzle. Um, but you don't get any of the connections to right there. There's a nebulous villain. There's not really clear faces put on that besides the waiter who is the actual assassin who shows up later on in the well, film and, and the recruiter yeah. and the recruiter. True. Um and but you don't even, know why they're doing what they're doing. Right. That, yeah. and, that's, then, that's, yeah. and then even on the other side of things, again, I, you know, I, I kept thinking of this in regards to all the president's men, but also I was thinking about it in regards to Fletch, because again, we have a reporter, right. With a kind of tense relationship with his editor. Right. Um, Classic. Right. Classic dynamic. But in, in both of those movies, I felt like you got much more of who your protagonist was, what that relationship was like, what his his professional life was like, right? Who who he is to uh, that. We got that. I, thought, I thought you got that more than enough. Really? Actually, yeah. okay. this, is a prime, this is actually a prime example in my mind, which of something that I had real issues with when we did Without Remorse. Yeah. Which is like, this is Warren freaking Beatty in 1974. So there's instantaneously some buy into that. This guy is Warren Beatty 
and you're going to buy into that. He's the lead. They talk about him being an alcoholic. They talk all about why establishing his character, trying to get those cops at the beginning in a very Fletch like I almost felt like I wondered if Fletch was influenced by this movie yeah. because it was the same yeah. storyline. And you know that he's in the conspiracies. Right. And all these types of things. And it almost ruined his life. And to me, that was enough. That's almost what I wish they had done. And he's with on thin ice. Jordan. So like they, yeah, they, they mentioned remorse. the like, fact that he, you can do it. Just go with him. He it's had recently, he had recently brought him back to work. Mm. Do and he I really and enjoy the stuff. guy that plays his editor, whose yes. name I'm not remembering you, right you now. Cronin. Please look it up. Love him. Love him. I didn't, I didn't feel it when he died. And I was just thinking, I was like, I don't, I don't feel like they built that relationship enough for me to be sad that the editor just got offed. I don't know. I think that's kind of the point of uh, like, there's really not a lot of emotional context yeah. given in the movie. It is very antiseptic. Um, yeah. The characterization, the spaces. Uh, and I think, you know, that's all part of a broader commentary cool. on the America that we see in images and icons that we've internalized, but doesn't exist. Like even down to basic relationships. Yeah. And even the way Gordon Willis, who's might be the, top five cinematographer of all time does the godfather does everything i mean he's a genius even the way he and pakula frame things mm. and part of it was that disconnect like originally those conversations that were through the you know they're in the Beatty and Ukraine are in the office and you're and you're watching it through the windows of the office mm -hmm. were intended to be in there but they started talking about wanting them to feel small in spaces and there's the imagery, too, where it's almost like a, throughout this movie, there's so many oversized images like yeah. Warren Beatty coming out of the parallax building. And he's so tiny Warped. in relation to that and, and the, the imagery that they were attempting to do. Also, the feeling that and I can't take credit for this. This is actually Christopher McQuarrie, the Mission Impossible director, among other things, who was nice enough to tweet back and forth with me about this movie, was telling <laughs> me to like watch it and ev they're always in a frame they're like yeah. boxed in like the senator was boxed in in the space needle it and that's how everybody is in this and it's a commentary on how people in the 70s were feeling and i think jim's point is the spot on one which is these were people who were learning to distrust government at this time in American history. If you look at people predating the Pentagon Papers and the Vietnam War and everything, there was dis distrust in terms of policies. Like they might not have liked FDR's policy or Eisenhower's policy, but a Republican and Democrat wasn't like this person is evil and trying to do something. After LBJ and after the Kennedy assassination and Martin Luther King, people were starting to become really distrustful of government and they were feeling like they were boxed in. They were feeling like they were small, like they had lost their way. And I think this film helps reflect yeah. that. And I, and Jim's right. I don't think you can make something with this type of meaning because we are now generations. We have grown up with this type of legitimate paranoia, maybe the towards one, government. One thing I wanted to sort of add to that when Kate, Katie, when you were saying that the the idea of like the big bad and not knowing what that is, I think that's an important feeling for this because yeah. I think that's part part of like the general unease is that you don't really know what's happening and why it's happening. Mm -hmm. I think I think that's part no, of it, and I can yeah, I can understand that as I, I can understand that as a a story point. Um, I do think it's interesting then to have that common face throughout of like the, you know, the waiter assassin. Like there's there's interesting that's, pieces that's so that are that common can, threads. I, well, that's so you can piece together what sure. happened at the Space Needle sure. is repeated with what happens at the end of this movie. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. So maybe this is just, this is one of those stories that you need, you need more context for. You, you need, a, you know, a, a teacher, coach. I, I don't know if this is a movie that, that, that the general public just watches and says like, wow, that was really good. I don't know. I think, I think that there, I think the level of how much you like it probably changes right. based yeah. upon multiple viewings. I do think also it's a film maybe more so than definitely what's use all the president's men because it's fictitious. You can go back to all the president's men and sit to, to historical account. It almost has a documentary feel to it. 
so you can lock into it and you're looking at it as a historical event. Whereas this is so reflective to the mindset of people at that time period. Whereas if you're not living in it, maybe it is more difficult to connect with some of the messages mm -hmm. that are being out there. Though, again, I think with QAnon and all this crazy stuff that happened with conspiracies now, it is intriguing to look at this movie and wonder what its message is about government, about media, about messaging and, you know, how we accept things that are told to us. Blindly. So I would love, Megan, if I can invite you to, to talk through the montage, because that was oh, a yeah, piece that... that I felt like was really intriguing, but I also felt like went on longer than necessary. Well, yeah, I'll make him go. Yeah, tell tell us about yeah. it. No, I mean, I mean, there's, I, I mean, I'm still working my own. <laughs> I've seen that montage so many times that I'm still working through it myself, and I think it just works on so many levels. It just there's a, a commentary in there about the ways that we define ourselves as Americans and our our national imagery, and as that montage goes on those images are taken out of context from what we would associate. So there's a real disassociation between denotation and connotation, um, which it's about fundamentally destabilizing, you know, destabilizing the, the, you know, the audience, but at least as far as Warren Beatty strapped to a chair watching it. Um, there, I think it's interesting that one of the last images is the cartoon character of Thor. Um, and the idea of heroism that this film really interrogates um, this trope of him, even just thinking back to when he goes into the uh, what salmon tail and it's just absurd, right? Like this Western. Yes. That yeah, scene like, is absolutely like, nuts. That fight scene. To, like, yes. It's absurd. There's organ music. There's this like piece of fine art with a woman nude lounged. It, it doesn't make sense. But it codes to this idea of the rugged individual, which Warren Beatty is supposed to personify, but it's all for nothing. Um, so uh, as a piece of propaganda, there's something to be said about, um, you know, even now, if we make the connection, these people that buy into QAnon, they, they feel like they are doing it to save a past that maybe never even existed. Yeah. They can be the Thor, but it's, you know, it's all at the behest of these, you know, corporate entities that have their own agendas. And I think that's an interesting thing in that specifically that Megan's talking about, because you you could look at this as something that is justifying a conspiracy, right? Like, oh, he's finding this conspiracy. But this Parallax Corporation is a corporation. So this is not a film that's necessarily validating the idea that conspiracy theories are good. It's just questioning I think the perception that we have of all of these things, like who are making these decisions that's, in the 70s? Well, I think that's what's so prescient about it. Because, I mean, you look at our world today, Amazon, Google, Facebook, Apple and Coca-Cola, like run the world. You know, so where do I, I, I don't know. I, I think that there's something very forward looking about how these, you know, corporations uh, interact with policy and government and the fact that the parallel, you know, it is a corporation and it presumably has multiple divisions. The only division we see is the human engineering, but, um, yeah, that, that special interests the, two things about, be bought. about yeah. the, uh, the montage is that it immediately gave me a clockwork orange vibes, right? Yeah. Cause, yeah. cause that is because so the clockwork orange, um, was first, but the, I think that's intentional and be, because the second point I wanted to make is that the interesting thing about the parallax view is that the company is exploiting the conspiracy theorists, mm -hmm. right? They set yes. that, they set that montage up to validate conspiracy theory Absolutely. and to mm -hmm. empower the insanity that, that is driving them radical individuals yes. right they're 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 radicalizing and weaponizing and exploiting individuals that would be q believers right like yeah, yeah. i mean it's very very timely 
Sorry, it's very timely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think it's very. I think that's interesting when you think about that. As far as 1974, um, also, you know, it's an also end situation. Also, and the Parallax Company is a terrible institution. That is, that there's a whole there's a real conspiracy that that these folks are are ignoring to buy into the fake stuff and become a part of something. You well, know. that's the idea. I mean, America yeah. is a simulacrum, yeah. just blank and empty images with really nothing behind it that allows, you know, and, and that has been pushed out so severely that, um, you know, you have this insidious corporation working behind the scenes, destabilizing democracies and, um, you know, crafting agenda. I, I just think for, for a 19, what was the 1974 film? Yeah. I think it's just still so relevant. I, I also think the, again, this is where the multiple viewings begins to help and reading about it. Might I plug the amazing Criterion <laughs> Collection edition of the Parallax View, which has not only a beautiful restoration of the film itself, uh, but some amazing um, articles and interviews and stuff. But it really delved into the idea of the imagery that they were using and you know the crazy salmon town fight is a western right yeah. the even when he sits in that weird little kid train where he's getting some background yes. with i his, did enjoy that but scene. that but that train is the the one of the the tr the train it's like the pacific Union rail pacific. company yeah that's going across america even the opening of the film like pakula was talking about when he was doing it he wanted to do this imagery of America. And it went from that totem pole that was actually there when he was scouting. He said the skase needle is like a gift from God, he said. And then it immediately pans to the space needle. And like this constant imagery of things that we think as Americana, right? And he's like talking about it almost as a facade, right? All these things that we're seeing or the way that people use this imagery, whether it be the Parallax Corporation uses imagery to get people to do what they want or, you know, people are living with this facade of the country and feeling like things are going on, but really in the background, they were at unease. And I thought that was interesting again, not upon first viewing. So, I mean, yeah. there, there is a critique that you can have about it if you just want to see it one time, but I found it really interesting with each subsequent viewing to start looking at it as more of a visual film in terms of the choices he makes in terms of the size of characters and sequences like that escalator, right? Again. And yeah, you know, that escalator takes up 85% of the screen. And then you have like 10% is actor. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you see so, so many times um, characters dwarfed um, that shot of Warren Beatty, not only with the escalator, but outside of the parallax building, this like brutalist architecture, all windows. And it looks like it's got feet coming out of it, um, just completely dwarfing him. Um, just the, every time I watch the film, I think about something new. And I will tell you, Brian, that this watch, I was thinking a lot about the totem pole juxtaposed against the Space Needle uh, myself, really thinking about, you know, why would he you know, open the film with with that particular image um, i just even found it interesting that they they uh willis chart convinced him to shoot this in anamorphic mm. which tends to be used for big vista sequences it was really the popular um choice of american westerns and it's it's rare and the way he uses these with so many tight imagery and negative space which was just very different and also the jump cuts, which give it a very jarring feeling, but it was really interesting is that this movie was being made during a writer's strike. And this is like maybe why Chris McQuarrie likes this movie so much. They were kind of making a lot of this plot up in this movie as they were going along. So if you notice almost all the medium shot, it's always lined up in a framed almost the same way because they'd be shooting pages and then making decisions on other days so Willis made this decision. He's going to shoot it away so that he could jump to any different sequence and it would feel with jump cuts, not that they had to edit it in a jumpy way and we're cutting things out of it. Sometimes you get those films where you like it feels edited. You're like, man, they must not know what they were doing because they're jumping from 
wide shots, the close-ups. So just that like little piece I found interesting that he shot it in anamorphic, which was a Western style. Again, I think is an homage to America. And then to subvert that and not use it, an anamorphic image as a wide image was an intriguing choice for the film too. Um, let's talk about one of the things I think is interesting in this movie is it, it really doesn't necessarily have a conventional ending, but before we even get to the ending, what I love sometimes is, and they don't do this in a movie a lot. This is more of a novel thing where we know information that the protagonist doesn't like they figure out Warren Beatty and he doesn't know that they figured him out and they play that out in a way that I thought was really it, it made well, me think of Sidney Pollack directing The Firm. If you saw The Firm, his version with Tom yeah. Cruise of The Firm, where Tom Cruise doesn't know that they know and it turns into something. And I, I thought that was an interesting choice to do that. I This is the part that's a little confusing for me and gets a little less kind of tight as far as like a, a concise cons, like kind of mystery is that even if they didn't find him out, like because of what happened at the Space Needle, the end of this movie could have happened without them finding him out. It could have. They could have just set him up regardless, right? I mean, right. They, like, they were going to set somebody up. but Right. So that that's the part that like doesn't, if you like really think about it, it doesn't make a lot of sense because like if they find him out, the the risk of using him as the quote unquote patsy is not worth it, right? Like, but maybe it was right. So I mean, they find him out and they realize maybe this is even a better guy to use. Right, I, I understand that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just, it's just, it didn't, it didn't connect with me. It also didn't connect with me how they quote unquote found him out. You don't ever, at least I didn't pick up on it in the movie how they learned of him other like other than seeing the the assassin come to the to the newspaper office well part of me my thought process of this has always been they found out when they have him watch the the test mm. because he's not going to respond the way he should remember the they the written test right with the questions they had that guy that yeah, murderer take, that psychopath take oh see I thought the t the the visual test with the hands and the thing was just to get his fingerprints oh but no that, I think that was to, they were measuring they were measuring, they were measuring his emotional responses and then clearly they they when he made the recordings of them or whatever it is they started to catch on. Plus, there's that scene where Younger comes to see him after everything with the plane, and he says a line. I don't know if you guys caught it about what when he figures out when he talks to him about you know you're not Richard Paley, who are you? And they talk about you know he spins this whole story about being a, a sex offender, etc. And Younger says a line about oh yeah, well you know we use guys like you. You're more effective than any ex retired FBI agent, which is um, almost a mirror image of what his FBI friend Friends was. Of the film yes. says. He says something almost exactly similar. So yeah, I think at that point, I, yeah. I think the jig is up for him. I, I also think it's interesting that just in the way that he's kind of drawn in. And again, this is, I, I, I could be wrong. Seventies films, start to become, you know, as a decade change pretty significantly. If you think of conspiracy based films of like the 50s and 60s, like a, a North by Northwest or something like that. Manchurian the, the, candidate. Yeah. By and large, the hero, quote unquote, of that movie somehow pulls it off at the end. Right. It's, mm -hmm. it's going to be he's going to take down the Parallax Corporation. He's going to solve the mystery. And that's not the case, obviously, at all with this. And I love the ending sequence of this movie um, from when they get to the convention center. So I guess we should set it up. I mean, if you're listening, you've probably watched it. But they, they draw Warren Beatty to this convention center because yet again, they want to the Parallax Corporation wants to kill another politician. Um, and it's set up that this politician is giving a speech. And I, I love that it was actually a rehearsal 
mm-hmm. and this was not what the in- original intention was. They were going to have a jam packed crowd, almost like a in in the line of fire esque ending, if you know that with Clint Eastwood. Mm-hmm. And then they got to the site and they said, "This visual is pretty amazing." Again, it's almost like a Western idea, the open landscape of this area, but in and, an industrial space. Yeah, and they're going to kill this politician and, and Warren Beatty. He doesn't know it until very late in this, until the shots fired, but he's going to be blamed for that. And I just, do we I, care when he dies? Uh, I, I, the only reason I, I, I would say, I, I, I don't care specifically about his character very much because I don't, I don't think that they did enough to make us care about anybody. But I did want to see. I care because I want justice, right? A little bit. I don't, I don't know. know. I mean, I totally agree with Megan that there there is a very antiseptic feel to this film, but I think that it creates a struggle in building that mm-hmm. emotional impact for your audience. Of like, none of the deaths feel. Like which which right. deaths am I supposed to care about? And when, I, like it when, just feels like everybody's just a player in the game, and so I don't know. Like it's just I, there there feels like an emotional disconnect. So can I look at it as an art form? Yes. Do I care about the story and the characters? No. So I yeah, just I yeah, feel like there's sense. always going to be like it's it's not ever going to feel like the like the best viewing experience because I'm not supposed to care that much. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I totally hear what you're saying. I, I think that's part of the point, though, is that they're meant to be sort of generic. Like, you take your av- like in- individualistic reporter trope that you see in so many movies could be slotted into to where he is and the point that he never makes it, that he doesn't pull off the, the victory doesn't defeat the bad guy just the same as the parallax corporation it's just one faceless assassin after the other just you know there's something kind of dehumanizing about that but i think that's part of the cultural commentary the but other I, can we talk about some of the weird things in this movie so uh the focus on the tuba player prior to him yelling yes, it was I interesting. Love that. at first i honestly thought that because of the way it's cut, I thought for a second that it was actually Warren Beatty like pretending to play the tuba <laughs> because they focus on how bad of a tuba player this right, kid well, is right, for a minute. Right. So like, after you realize you know, it's not choice. Warren Beatty, you know, which just happened, that happens fast. You yeah, realize yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. him. You realize but it's then you him. think it's going to be the assassin because he can't play his instrument. Yes! Yeah. And the Fair. guy next to him is telling him, like, look at the music, man! Like, total, total red hair. <laughs> totally weird. And the tuba player gets the line, too. Oh, I got it. I see him. Yeah. I totally love, funny. Yes. I love, though, th- this is probably maybe all time, like top 10 um, visual sequences, though. When they have that senator shot driving that golf oh, cart God, on the yes. cart. And they, yes. Yeah. And he's just, and it's he's just dead, curving. curving. That's through, a favorite like, visual. It is, it is, it is an interesting. <laughs> yeah. No, I think I mean, it's like strange, no. darkly humorous. <laughs> No, I don't think I'm not saying it's, it makes me happy. I'm solely saying like from I think it's a really intriguing image that stays with you. Right. Yeah. In particular, if you're somebody who had lived through this run of political assassinations, which to us, I think, is very odd today. Right. They just it's not something that has happened. I was saying this. We were talking, I was teaching about the Reagan assassination attempt. And I said, you know, that's the, the pretty much the last major public assassination attempt uh, of a U.S. president. And that was 80, I think, 81 or 82. Right. So we've gone like generation of people where this is not common. But the impact of having that run from like 1960 through the 70s, where these people are being picked off, it's almost comical when you think of how many politicians would be picked off in this movie. And you'd be like, oh, somebody would pay attention to that. That would raise a red flag. And then you start looking at what was actually happening in that time period. And you'd be like, eh, maybe actually they wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, the, they, they the, might not think anything. The action, quote unquote, action sequences in this film were really strange to me too 
He was very low-key about the, the dam coming down. Was that the no, no, dam? So, was yeah, that? we'll talk about wait, that. Wait, but wait, let's wait. Go we just the... watched another movie that was set at that same dam. What was the one with the kid? Oh, Timmy done? Failure. Timmy Amazing Failure. movie. Oh, my God. I watched dam? that again before I, this movie. I don't know if it was the same dam. I think it is the same dam. There okay. is a visual it was in, like that's it was Timmy Failure's dam. Timmy Failure's dam is in Portland. Maybe it is. So the Space Needle sequence, when they chase the... The fake assassin yeah, up, really to the, on that. up to the Ooh. roof. It was dead silent. Like yes. these guys are tumbling all over each other to capture this guy, and you can hear that. You can yes. hear their like bodies hitting the roof. They are not saying no one anything. yells. No one yells. No one yells. Like get that. Like no one yells. Says no anything. one's grunting. No one. Yeah. I make a thousand more sounds just riding the bike it to was, nowhere. It was a, it's they, a strange choice. It was a strange choice for me to to like. Jim also like, got I, disturbed by the fact that they show the guy just well the guy fall he, fall off, which would have been a po impossible. But then they pull away. They're like, "There's another roof. There's a there's layer a that's like 20 feet out from there, only 10 feet below there's that. Another no, roof. it's actually just the ledge below it. Yeah. That's but that's where he fell. But I I was actually I have to be honest with you, that sequence surprises me because I feel like that's like fairly risky for 1974. Like when you think about just like yeah. when we look at like. Again, North by Northwest, and it was like the clearly paper mache, uh, yeah, yeah. Mount Rushmore and stuff. They were legitimately filming up there, uh, which is a little terrifying, yeah, to me. No, as someone who does not it like was, heights, it was uh, like them, the visual was fine, it was the audio that, like, was a weird choice. It's, it's just the absolute silent, like, no one talking, like. Even the three guys are not like strategizing on like how to grab him or anything. Like, no, agreed. it was. It's, it's just weird. It like to me that was a little. That was a choice, and I I, I can't figure out why. I don't know. Maybe it's something to do. Like, I don't know. the The film feels very in, industrial and mechanized in places, and and maybe yeah, the lack of like grunting and and hollering dir like direction yeah. plays into that like robotic. Uh, I don't know. I think that, that that's my working theory. Right. And then juxtapose that with the damn sequence, which is absolutely ridiculous as they he get just, washed down river for 20 minutes. He just stood here and he didn't hear anything. <laughs> I love when he, he didn't throws hear it. the fishing pole. Oh, yeah. He hits it with the fishing Yeah, that pole. cut did not work. So the cut, that, yeah, that that's was... unfortunate because I think that moment was one of the tenser sequences that I honestly didn't see coming. It, it, it was a good twist. Right. But the way they present the twist happens in like literally under a second. So that is the only person that Warren Beatty actually kills, right? Is the sheriff? Well, you could argue he doesn't even kill him. Oh, yeah. I thought he died. He dies, but he didn't kill him. Yeah, down but, in the river. Yeah, again, I just yeah, I was how about that? Can we discuss the emotional uh, something? Can we discuss somewhere? the police car chase? Well, the, uh, well, the bar, the, the bar the fight. Line. The Megan already brought oh, it up. That was yeah, that was the, oh that God. whole sequence is like it's a absurd. it's like a a vaudeville like slapstick. Well, the best scene. part is on the Criterion disc. Uh, the Gordon Willis, the souvenirs. Yeah, yeah. Gordon, through the Gordon Willis talks rice about paper window that fight, and he's like. He goes, Alan was a great filmmaker in many ways. Staging fight sequences was not one. Well, it, <laughs> he was like, that just was not a, a strong you, point. You know, the other movie that speaking of the car chase and that and that fight, the other movie that this made me think about was the Blues Brothers. Oh, which, I could see that. Yeah. Which, which has okay. a very similar vibe in certain areas, which is like this country, this like fake country bar fight sequence. And the the cop car chase, which in, if you haven't seen the Blues Brothers, it Please happens do. six years after this, 1980, has like the most expensive car chase ever put to film. I forget how many cars they wrecked, but it's an insane number. They drive through a mall. In this, he drives through, I don't know. A supermarket. A super, yeah. supermarket. It gets out. Yeah, it's just, it is insane. It's an insane car chase that is pretty funny. And that's the thing, I, like, did, did, did you guys find that humorous? Because like Although that whole sequence, I mean, I, I do. I thought that was get the bar. Yeah, I, I again, I watched that more as almost to me, that whole sequence at points was like a parody of a Western or a parody of a car. It's like bullet or Smokey in the band. You know, I mean, those type of films. 
that exists. I think this is interesting. Again, watching all three of his movies of this stretch is interesting to me because they are each such different films and they pair well together in terms of like an overall thread of a concept of trying to catch a feeling of that time period, but each film trying to do a different element of what people of that time period would feel. I would say ultimately for me, the parallax view of these three of his films is probably the weakest of the three, because I think all the presidents, man, there's just something so brilliant about that movie and clue the performances. It's much more a character based movie. And that's what I find is interesting about him. Like you get the first film, which was a very strong character based film. And then he comes with this one, which is more about imagery. And I think ideas than that, where characters were such a big part of clue. And then you deliver all the president men, which is, I think, a kind of a stinging indictment of the inspiration for those other two movies, because this movie was being filmed during the um, Watergate hearings. So I do think I do think all the president's men has the advantage of, in some essence, being at the end of this and being able to maybe be more reflective of what this time period was was actually about, maybe in some ways, and had facts facts to do it. And it also had Dustin Hoffman and Robert Redford, I, who were awesome. I think, well, and I, I think the weakness in this film is not creating a protagonist that that has, you know, an emotional connection with your audience. So to me, the, you know, the the role of art is always twofold. It's it's to to do something really cool in the way that you deliver the art form um, and to make an to make a connection with the viewer, to make a connection with the audience. Um, and so, you know, it's it's wanting to re-listen to the song, to keep looking at that piece of art, to keep reading that story, to come on back to it. Um, and for there to be something unique in the way that you did the thing. And it just feels to me like there's something unique in the way that they did this thing, but it is lacking in the connection to the viewer that's going to make that viewer say like i well, want to watch that again right right but that's you that's me so like i, I mean to yeah, me, yeah, like yeah. I'm, I'm just saying like if we compare this not to last week's movie what we did hunt for the wilder people but if you compare this to without remorse i think this movie is significantly oh, more sure. original and oh, better sure, sure, sure. no than without, without remorse, remorse is like a, a no i would not to me, th this falls more in the, the way that I think about Stanley Kubrick's movies. Yeah. Where, like, I can watch Stanley Kubrick's movies and appreciate what he is doing with the way he tells his story. I do not feel an emotional connection to the characters and the story itself. I, and, and again, that, that, like, that can just be me. But, Absolutely. But on, but on the other hand, all the president's men. And I think the it difference... Feels so different. Yeah, the difference movie. there for me is that the tension that they build on the success of like small individual conversations in that movie, which, you know, those characters are walking like the edge of the knife of like, if they say one wrong thing in this interview or one wrong piece of information, they're going to lose the trail. Right. And they don't. And it makes them seem so brilliant and so like bigger than life. And I don't think you get that with, with Warren Beatty's character here. Like he, he doesn't seem like he's doing like some really incredible work. But here. is he, but that's no, he's not like, is he's he supposed to be. Yeah. And that's one of the things about the character that interests me because if he is a likable character and people would like him and all this, the whole idea that they could peg him or yeah. blame him for the assassination falls apart. And I do also think in my mind, when I'm watching it, it's this great example of, he thinks he's smarter than he really is. Yes. Yeah. 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 And that to me is a really like interesting idea and a danger. And it's, it's a commentary on media and, and modern media in particular. And I think a failing of the media over the last five years, which is I feel sometimes they think they're smarter than they are and they get put in positions where they actually end up helping individuals that 
they think they will be harming by their own. But it's interesting, and I Brian. Think that's intriguing to me with the way he plays that out. I don't think this can he can't be what we want him. He can't be an amazing protagonist. He can't be a Woodward because okay. then well, let's the also whole thing falls apart. Let's also remember in this movie, he's a fucking reporter. He is not a cop. And so like there is a moment in this film where he if if this was in the real world, he would have shifted gears and this would have been handed off to some authority. Well, to play that, he was originally a cop in the script. And then right. Warren Beatty wanted him changed to a reporter right. um, as the filming was going on. And it was a writer's strike. So you're not allowed to change dialogue or stuff. So that could have been one of yeah, the reasons just where funny. that type of thing falls in so right uh, if it was a writer's strike you were yes. saying that they were changing things like during so during if it's a writer's film. strike they can not as this actually kind of really interesting daniel craig's second bond movie went through the same thing you cannot be a member of the writers guild so it turned out that the the actor and the director can make changes to dialogue and and certain things but you're not allowed to have accredited screenwriter come in. What most people don't understand is as movies are going on, the screenwriters are sitting on the set. Sure. And they're constantly rewriting Absolutely. pages and stuff like that. that. Totally so makes sense. You, so when there's been writer strikes and there has been through the years, it then falls on to sometimes people who are not writers to then go and make changes. I, I'm I'm just going to stand a little bit on that and say that there, there was a way to tell this story. Well, no, no, and have they his, didn't write the whole movie. I the, know that. But so, like a writer wrote it to begin with. I know that. I know that. I know that. Brian is also saying that, like, that this movie was very much shifted in the telling of it from the original script. Did you? Am I right? Well, I think that the premise of who he was supposed to be, which obviously right. changed yeah. the movie. If yeah. he's a cop, that's a total, that that's changes. A, even at one total point, departure. he was supposed to be a baseball player, too. Total departure. Yeah. He yeah. I, a few I'm just times. suggesting yeah. that like you that that might have an impact on, on how the oh, final absolutely. product feels. Do you know, right? originally, he was a failed former minor league baseball player <laughs> who went on to coach a high school baseball team. And when they won the league, he had to investigate the assassination of a senatorial yes, candidate. I'm coming were to see the, that Were the nuns, were there, <laughs> were were there nuns, nuns involved? involved? Jim, actually, there were nuns involved. Funny Did he have a strange relationship nuns, with his father? The, the nuns actually um, dedicated that totem pole. Was they he said, 58 uh, pretending to be 34? <laughs> he was, actually. Warren Beatty in this movie was supposed to be playing a 13 yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you I don't know if you picked that up, but that's what I will say this. Uh, this movie kind of the one aspect of this movie that kind of bums me out, because I think from a visual perspective, it's kind of awesome and stuff. When you get to that montage, there's nudity and it immediately eliminates from it from being able to be used in school. It's yeah, an your, interesting your kids don't want to watch this point. Um, I'd love to show this in my English class. I enjoy this director. Yeah. I would show my students all the president's men a Thousand times I think, before Katie, <laughs> you would um, love Clute. Clute. I will I watch Clute. Might, I think you might like Clute I am more than all the President's Clute. Men. I loved all the President's Men. Yeah. Yes. I will say this. The Criterion version, again, of this is amazing, including the artwork on the front cover, if you haven't seen it. Katie put it up as our social media mm -hmm. post of it, which is literally my fav one of my favorite images. The brain. Yeah. An American flag bullet mm -hmm. to the brain. Mm -hmm. All right, it's time for uh, King the Hill or Bottom of the Barrel. Um, do we rank this below Crispin Arrow's The Rookie? No. No, no one does no. that. Nothing, uh, nothing above is worse. Above Judas and the Black Messiah. We know Katie's a no. Jim. no. I'm also a no, but it is, and I think it is because I do, I will need that emotional connection to put a movie. Like to me, I need that storytelling and and character to be part of the whole package. And okay. what happens at the end of Judas and the Black Messiah? Not and kind of Lakeith's story arc is pretty for me. It's a, it's it's better. Okay, uh, Megan, have you seen Judas and the Black? Messiah? I haven't. <gasps> please do. I it, I will please definitely do. check it out. Please All please right. do. 
so Judas and Black Messiah will stay King of the Hill and the rookie until I can convince Jim to watch Ski Patrol uh, will <laughs> remain. I don't know. Right. We're watching Face Off yeah. soon. Don't worry, Amazon August is coming up and Ski Patrol is currently on Amazon. So I doubt the power of Nicholas Cage. There's a rubber band with skiing at the end. I remember that <laughs> oh, part. Because I made you watch it in college. I, I owned it on No, no, I, I had seen that before that. I remember watching did. that as a kid. By the, it was from the producer of uh, Police Academy. Yeah, of course. Makes sense when you think uh, of that. I All did right, love Police Academy. For oh, Katie, you love Ski Patrol. Good it's time for I five you know questions. You know I do. You want <laughs> Three men and a little baby, or a little lady, a baby, and then a little lady. I'm all, I'm all in. Did you like Ted Danson as much? As I enjoyed Ted Danson, but he was a little too girly for me. Okay. So Steve Gutenberg was similar to my pediatrician <laughs> when I was growing up. So and I think there was a little bit of a, like a dad thing there. Okay. You got some really <laughs> weird, weird shit going on in your life. It gets weirder every week. What was that? I've no, I've Dr. Curry. For, His name was Dr. Curry. Yeah, that was my been, pediatrician. Been like I'm right 20, there. Almost, there. I've known you for almost 25 <laughs> years and it just gets weirder every and then day. We went to day. my kid's yeah. pediatrician. There's a, there's a doctor there that's just like Steve Gutenberg. I have a little thing for him. I'm sorry. To, to be fair, it could be. It could actually be Steve Gutenberg. He's not getting just a lot think of about Veronica Mars Gutenberg. season two. I yes. know that ruined me. Ah, Steve All Gutenberg, right, we, we love you. Come on our show. Oh, I would love to have Steve Gutenberg. My God, I, the Goot. I <laughs> will make the Goot from now So good Steve about Gutenberg. his career. Huge, I will, huge Steve Gutenberg. I am fan. all in on Steve Gutenberg. Um, okay, Megan is answering five questions this week. Uh, first question, thumbs up or thumbs down. We didn't mention it, but the amazing Mr. Feeney. Mr. Feeney. William I, Daniels. Oh, right, right. I called that. awesome in this movie, by the way. I was way. like, that's Mr. Feeney. Yep, was like, absolutely, that's Mr. Feeney. Are you thumbs up on the original, not the reboot, not the reboot, the original Boy Meets World? Yeah, I think so. I can get a little cloying, but, you know, I Takes love place Mr. In Feeney, Town. so I got to do thumbs up. Takes yeah. place in our town. It does. It takes place in Havertown. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. Uh, also, the voice of Kent from mm -hmm. Knight Rider. Are mm -hmm. you thumbs up or thumbs down on Knight Rider? Who's thumbs up on Knight Rider? We loved Knight Rider in the current household. Uh, you got to love Loved Rider. it. Um, we brought this name up during the filming, Mr. Yoon Cronin, who is actually also Jessica mm -hmm. Tandy's husband. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Amazing actress. Is um, he also he in Batteries Not Included? Is that where yes, I'm Yes, he is. Katie, there you go. Brian, put it on the list. He was in many <laughs> I amazing 1980s films. Yeah, Besides Batteries Not Included, he was in two other Brian Costello favorite movies from the 1980s. One with Mr. Steve Gutenberg and Wilford Brimley. Everything comes uh, together. It all comes back together. Cocoon. <laughs> the second being... Mr. Richard Pryor in John Candy and Brewster's Million. Mm -hmm. So, Megan, if you had to watch either Brewster's Million or Cocoon, have you seen these films? I've seen Cocoon a, a long time ago. I haven't seen Brewster's Million, so I'm probably going to have to go with Cocoon because I've seen it. I enjoy Cocoon. I think Cocoon is an interesting movie to watch on this show. I don't remember. I remember adults being obsessed with Cocoon. Like, I feel like yes. when Cocoon well, came out, it's a, Ron, it was... it's a Ron Howard movie. Actually. Yeah. Uh, and I kind of remember Brimley is as old as Tom Cruise now when he was in Cocoon. So think about that for a second. Yeah. Wait, Wilford Brimley is a real person. I thought that was one of Martin Short's characters on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> That's Ed Grimley. That's Ed Grimley. <laughs> You, only you would Diabetes. know the most obscure, like ridiculous you know, you era. know Ed Wolfram. I want to see him. I Diabetes. Know. He's got the big mustache I and all that. I don't know. Uh, that is. Uh, Brewster's Million is worth seeing, Megan. If you want to laugh, Richard Pryor. Yeah, no, I gotta check it out. I gotta check it out. Jim's got okay. a picture of Steve Gutenberg on the screen right now, and I'm completely distracted. I love Steve Gutenberg. <laughs> you know I do. It's amazing. You know, we I do could, go we, back up to the top. Maybe we should just devote. Oh, a full I know Wilford Brimley. Yeah, of course you do. You should. We should devote a full month of comedies to just Steve Gutenberg films, perhaps. Oh my God, Gutenberg month! I'm, I am showing up <laughs> for. You I will be there yes, every week. Yeah, he did. I remember yeah. seeing that when I was a little kid. We might be able to get Steve Gutenberg on the show. Steve, Steve Gutenberg, come on we our show. Be, we might be able to Mega do that. Mega fan. Uh, all right, fill in the blank question, Megan. Um, 
a political thriller that we should watch immediately. What would be one? Do you have uh, one that you think we should be watching? So I actually, I was just telling you in school today, I actually just watched Blowout. Ah, yes, with John Travolta. So I went into this with a lot of reservations. I'm not the biggest John Travolta fan, but um, it was it was definitely interesting. It piqued my attention. So, yes, uh, I'm holding up my Criterion Channel version. I, I read um, Quentin Tarantino with like one of his favorite movies. So Brian De Palma. Yeah, I'm just going to continuously plug Criterion and then maybe they will sponsor us. We could get a we, we did get a T-shirt. This just went full exciting. circle but over here. Oh, what happened? What are you? Well, Jim thought that the way that you held your DVD case was yes. very. No, I was doing no? the Travolta. Oh, I thought that was I thought you were mimicking what Brian did with his with <laughs> no, the DVD. I, I, no, got, it's the, I got from Pulp what, Fiction. Yeah, I, I got but it's also Mr. this is from a movie we here. watched, isn't it? What? I don't know. There is there's that's a Travolta of, from uh, of Donald Trump's head on top of a pelvic thrusting. It's Travolta's Travolta body, body from uh, super weird. From okay. I'm very I don't even know what you guys are doing. I'm, my uh, groin is feeling weird things right now. All right. Lots of American landmarks in this film. The Spe- uh, Seattle Space Needle among them. Mega, what's your favorite American landmark? OK, um, I love the symbolism of the Statue of Liberty, but the landmark that's probably the most emotionally impactful for me is the 9-11 Memorial. Excellent. Yep, it's a fantastic one. Amazing. Uh, And finally, our deep thoughts question, which conspiracy theory are you most fascinated by? Doesn't mean you have to believe it, but which one do you, are you intrigued the most by that either people buy into or you think is interesting? Yeah, I mean, I grew up watching the X-Files, so I gotta go Area 51. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there's new stories this week. UFO. It's on mm-hmm. CNN. There's a UFO on, on CNN. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, how can you not love the X-Files? And by the way, amazing shows like the X-Files, so inspired by the paranoia of this film. I just love that this movie didn't pull without remorse. If this was out without remorse, they would have waited to the end credit sequence to introduce the Parallax Corporation. We wouldn't have seen them until the end credit sequence. Um, It is time for recommendations. Does anybody have a recommendation for something we should be reading? Reading, watching, watching Mayor of Easttown. Jesus Christ, I cannot wait for the next episode. Mayor of Easttown. We watched watched the last episode last night and I cannot stop thinking about it. Have you been thinking about it today? I've been thinking about it all day today. All day. Kate Winslet, Winslet, Delaware County, Pennsylvania. It is scary accurate with how they portray the places that I grew up. True story. In in a way that's really uncomfortable. And Jean Smart is yeah, she's absolutely amazing in it. So, there are so, so many. Great. What's the name of What's the name of the guy? Roy, Ray, Roy. Who's Evan he? Peters. Evan Peters. Evan Peters. Who, who actually? I read an article this week. He like went full method and like immersed himself oh, in Delaware County. They went all Wawa. They did all Wawa. They oh. did all like bad. They just they let get their some, hair grow get out. Some There's no Bernie's pretzels. The houses, like everything. every every nothing seems like a set on this. Is movie. there a no. tea cooler? Um, I'm sure they're drinking no. tea cooler, some, Brian. I am sure they are not on camera, but I'm sure off camera it was at the craft should, services should be table. On, should be on camera. It's phenomenal. Uh, I'm loving it. Yeah, and it's Megan, a great anything? murder mystery. Uh, you were reading, watching that people should be checking out. Yes, I actually um, I'm a little bit late to the party, but I'm about halfway through the Queen's Gambit, which I would definitely recommend if you if you haven't seen. Um, I also just recently watched Hitchcock's Notorious mm. again, which also uh, would Fabulous. highly recommend. Definitely one of my favorite Hitchcock films. Perfect. <laughs> I have just rewatched this week The Godfather because the whole trilogy, including the newly edited um, Michael Corleone Godfather Coda, which Francis Ford Coppola went back and made some changes to the third most controversial of the films, are all currently on Paramount+. Plus. Of course, the amazing cinematography of Gordon Willis from this movie is there. And my criterion recommendation of the week is The Wild Bunch, um, a very different type of western um you know in the 60s aspects of westerns but 
a fabulous film. And I think that's it. Megan, thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank you. Thank, thank you guys you, for Megan. having me. Uh, fun. Thank you. It was amazing and to have you. Friends at home, three out of four of us are teachers. If you know a teacher in your life, it's May. Check on them. They're not okay. Yeah, check. So cheers, a toast. If you know to a teacher, just it doesn't need to be May. Check on them. Check on them. They're not also, okay. they're not okay. Parents whose kids have not gone back to school, they're still teaching them at home themselves. Check on those folks too, because it's it's getting scary. If you know Brian Costello, check on him. Check on him. Check on Brian. He's not okay. He is I not all right. Never haven't been for years. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long time. Again, make sure you like, share, subscribe, review. Make sure you check out our um, Shit's Creek podcast, which is slowly killing me. Well, don't look too hard me. for Shit's yeah, Creek. Don't look too slow, hard for it's it. It's slowly the, killing me. That the podcast. first six episodes. Is, is, it's not rough. It is an amazing show. But the first six, the first season is not the show that we love. Are yeah. you talking about the Shit's Creek or our Do you mean of our podcast, podcast or, or of the Roses? Both. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and. We haven't hit the good stuff yet. <laughs> yes, and. It's, but listen, it's, it's an experience. It is an experience. There is apparently <laughs> one couple, one couple that looks forward to our show. They do. Though. Every it's Saturday. Like, We've been makes, letting them down for four weeks. It makes four weeks weekend. they've been looking for it. Uh, I think they're not to be found. No, they probably right. need some help if, if we're if what they're looking forward to. Mm -hmm. uh, and we will talk to everybody soon. Bye, everybody. Goodbye. Bye, commenters. Bye. Bye.